You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Bakani at Bilal V87, and it's a massive honor to be talking to one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Santino Morella. You know him as that, but I call him Anthony Corelli because that's his real name. Anthony, how are you doing? Very good. Thank you very much for having me. It's always fun to chat. Rathlap. And there'll be a fun drinking game for somebody who can figure out how many times I call you Santino, how many times I call you Anthony, but regardless, you can follow him at Milan Miracle on Twitter. And I don't have this problem with anyone else. You're special in that way, Santino. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trained to respond to both, so no problem. <laughs> I, well trained. I even respond to Boris. It's... I'll throw Boris in there as well. All right, so let's jump right into this. I really want to review your career and talk about a lot of your highlights. And let's start with your debut all those years ago, coming out of the crowd. How would you describe it? How do you, how do you look back on it? Well, it's interesting because, you know, at the time, I just want to nail it. Right? I'm just nervous, and I just want to execute it properly. But when you look back, it was, you know, it was historic, right? I, it had never been done before. And it's funny because at that particular time, so many people happened to be watching wrestling, and everybody remembers the debut of this guy coming out of the audience. And, uh, yeah, I mean, now that I look back, it's, 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 it's pretty special, man. No, absolutely, and and we'll always remember that. And you you went on to become the Intercontinental Champion there that night. And there was another storyline, uh, which involved the I think it was a honky tonk meter. Is that was what it was called? The honka meter. Honka meter. It's been so many years, Santino. Forgive me. Um, but you were on this quest to essentially become the greatest Intercontinental Champion ever. How did that process start? Did somebody pitch you that, or did you come up with that idea? No, that was actually, I believe that was the brainchild of Brian Gewirtz. He was one of the writers at the time. And he's, you know, brilliant writer, funny guy. He came up with that and, uh, you know, I brought it to life and the audience was into it, man. It's so funny because every time I go to like a signing or something, people always bring up the honkometer and that they wished it lasted longer. And they were really into it, you know. It's uh, it's relatable, Anthony. We would uh, all like to last longer in many situations. And once again, I'm chatting with Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli. Follow him at Milan Miracle. And I, you know, I, I did some research. I didn't need to do much because I just followed your career with great interest, much like Emperor Palpatine followed uh, Anakin Skywalker. But our ages are, are <laughs> in opposite ends of the spectrum. But I forgot you had a feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, Recap that for anyone who missed it or overlooked it in your illustrious career. Yeah, so, you know, the best analogy was given to me by Michael Hayes. When I became a heel, he said I was, you know, scoring first down after first down after first down. And now they wanted to see if I can actually score a touchdown when I'm in there with, you know, the big dogs. And um, Stone Cold had a movie coming out. I had some, you know, what's the word, traction at the time, I guess. And um, we just used my character to to help promote the movie by me, you know, shitting on the movie. And, and uh, you know, Santino was the kind of guy that he was, he was like an Archie Bunker. Everything he said you knew was just wrong. So if I say the movie sucks, then the movie's obviously pretty good. And it actually was a very good movie. And uh, that was it, man. It, it boiled down to this interaction. And again, I'm nervous. I don't want to blow it. This is stone cold. And, you know, I had to talk myself through it, like say, relax. He's 
he's a pro, he's a legend, you're in good hands, he's not going to let the segment fall apart, you know. And, um, yeah, looking back, you know, I held my own, and and, uh, and it, he was, he's a really nice guy. Like, I mean, he's a really nice guy. He's he's He was just so fun to work with. And, and yeah, man, one of my career highlights, for sure, working with Stone Cold Steve Austin and, and just sharing the ring with him is amazing. Uh, beyond my comprehension, I'll tell you that much. Another interesting part of your career was the Royal Rumble. So in 2009, talk about a 2019-2009 challenge. I know that's been going viral. You you get into the Royal Rumble. You have the quickest, at the time, the quickest elimination ever. I, I, I do think, Santino, that record has been eclipsed, has it not? No, it is not. A couple of people have oh. tried to tried to Tried break and failed. But the thing is, I'm, okay, so I knew it was going to be a quick elimination. So I asked permission if we could try and break the record. And mm-hmm. Dean Malenko was the producer at the time, and he came back and said, yep, you've been granted permission to try and break the record. So I put together the, you know, the, the, the technical side of how we're going to execute this. And, and Kane was there at the right moment, and we executed it flawlessly, and we literally broke the record. And it stands, man. It's t- if there's a split-second gap anywhere you, you can't break the record because we did it so perfectly and uh, yeah people tried but can't do it well and you were rewarded and again i didn't even realize this until i went back and researched it and put it together you almost won the 2011 royal rumble just two years later how much of a difference you know like i don't think you would have had the time to run that through in your head a thousand times just given how much longer you were in the match and how much more went into that like that what a difference yeah i mean literally it's at two different ends of the spectrum um but it was a testament to the character and i think people really were the with the wind beneath the sails or, or sorry beneath the wings of the character because he was very relatable he was he came from the audience um and just hearing the crowd's reaction all the time i believe is what really made that happen you know well, and it happened again at the Elimination Chamber. It came down to you and Daniel Bryan, who to this day is still in that WWE title picture. Granted, the Universal title, but let's not split hairs, as Bray Wyatt did to him very recently. Tell me about that moment when you almost became the WWE champion in one of the most unlikely, and I'm not trying to poke fun at you here, but one of the greatest underdog stories of all time. Yeah, it's funny. I wasn't really even in, supposed to be in the elimination chamber, but Randy Orton got hurt. And, you know, they put me in, and, and just the way it ended up, I was one of the last guys in the ring. Now, the Cobra has been very protected. He was the only, Daniel Bryan at that moment was the only guy to ever kick out of the Cobra. Wow. So, so when I hit it, the people were conditioned to, to believe that that's the end. And hit him with the Cobra and, and one, two, and, and for everyone that was there in attendance that night, they always talk about just how much the crowd was into that moment. And in fact, there's an expression. So if guys are talking about a match and they want to do, and they want to swerve the audience like to the, to the max, they, they call it the Santino, Santino spot. That's, that's amazing. And it's funny, they usually say at great, you know, when you have a great victory, sometimes you say at what cost. 
in this case, you had a loss and it was at the cost of protecting the Cobra, but ob- obviously well worth it. Uh, speaking of snaky individuals, you got to work with Donald Trump. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know what he's like. Um, what do you take? What did you take away from working with Trump? What was what was your biggest takeaway? Maybe one we wouldn't think of uh, with all the coverage he gets now. Well, it was apparent that he has a lot on his plate, and his mind is racing nonstop. You know what I mean? And he kind of like walks in. Okay, what's the gist of it? Okay, bang, bang, bang. Okay, let's do it. He, and he's thinking of something else you know mm. and i remember watching thinking to myself well i guess that's the way a billionaire thinks or when someone has you know you're surrounded by a, uh, an assistant and a manager and a publicist mm. and all this you know people all around him kind of telling him what he has next so he, he just kind of fly by night you know he just he just mm. he he does a lot he has a lot of decisions to make and it's go 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 and um yeah, nice guy, tall. <laughs> oh, see, I wouldn't even gotten tall after you know. You just you get so lost in the hair sometimes you forget. Um, the the Miss WrestleMania part uh, where your sister Santina won. Uh, how do you look back on that? Because I I've I've hear varying opinions of that. What's how do you look back on it? Are you proud of it? Do you like to just put it away? How do you feel about it all these years later? Well, it's interesting because a lot of people think once your character has to dress as a woman, that's kind of hard to come back from that so a lot of people were concerned like oh man they're making him dress like a woman but you know when i look back it was actually one of my it was i think the whole thing lasted three months but it was some of my best performances in terms of acting uh with with the pre-tapes with my in-ring reactions uh in terms of being an artist in the ring it was actually some of my, my best work um of course, it's a little embarrassing, but it is what it is. You know, they, they gave me lemons, and I I tried, like I always do, just to make lemonade out of it and make the best out of any situation I'm, I'm given. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's a perfect segue, because you also did a lot to, to raise up a lot of women in WWE. You worked with Maria, you worked with Emma, you worked with Beth Phoenix, all three of which are still involved in wrestling now, and I'm sure if I asked them, they'd be so grateful for having worked with you. And I'm not mentioning all the great women you got to work with. Um, what would be, you know, some, and there's not enough time, but what would be one experience or a general thing you could say about all the great women you worked with in WWE and who are so active in wrestling still? Yeah, I mean, all the women, they work just as hard as the men. They travel just as much as the men. And the travel, to me, is the hardest part anyway. Um, Maria's still there, and yep. she's just, you know, very positive and just beautiful and she's I mean man she's still there that kind of speaks volumes in itself yeah. Emma was like a really good wrestler the kind of her character didn't really allow her to show that at the time but uh, she can go man she, she's uh, and she's really good and of course there's the Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix who's just one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life and one of the best wrestlers man or woman She's incredible. So it was, a, and, and we, had, we had so much fun. And such a shout out to Phoenix doing a great job on commentary with Maura Ranallo, Canadian, got to shout him out as well. And yeah. she's really developing and getting those extra flourishes. And sure, this is the odd stumble, but it's because Beth's trying to go all out. And, you know, I, I know even this past week uh, with uh, Breezango, she was joking about their abs and, you know, all that stuff. And it was it was actually a lot of fun. The final thing, and this is this is just for me, 
I've been going hard at AEW Santino. I've really been ripping it on a regular basis. Not because of the wrestling. The wrestling's great. But just in terms of the production and introducing these guys and the fact that there seems to be like five dark cults going on. Um, have you been following AEW? What's been your opinion of it thus far? Because I know you must have a ton of friends who are working in it as we speak. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's around is amazing. It's good for, yeah. it's good for the talent. It's good for the business just to have some competition. It's no longer a monopoly. But for those that were thinking they're, they were going to reinvent the wheel, that's not going to happen, right? It's, it's very, very similar, different guys. Um, it's a different take. It's a lot of indie guys put in like big league production and you know there was such a market with regards to people that just had enough of wwe that it was enough to give them a a, a head start a push but now you know the honeymoon's over and you got to produce right you got to come up with some really good content so unfortunately there's a reason why some of these guys were on the indies is because they're not that captivating or interesting um, of course some of them are and some of them are the best in the world and some of them are, are, are very good it just doesn't seem like they have uh, the depth actually the Young Bucks LAX Jericho Cody uh, Moxley those guys are incredible Jack Swagger mm-hmm. they have a lot of a lot of really good guys but some of the lower card guys uh, they just really don't have that psychology and, and and you need it. So hopefully working with some of the top guys, they'll be able to educate them and bring them up to speak. The entire card has to be on the same page with psychology. So I heard an article that uh, Jericho held a meeting and was really uh, emphasizing some of the psychological aspects, even specifically with, you know, working um working with the referee and, and not burying the ref and just, you know, breaking the rules blatantly in front of him and just discrediting the referee and stuff like that. So so that's good that they've acknowledged it because that was one of the things that people are talking about. Um, I mean, it's, it, I'm just happy that it's, it's, it exists, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I couldn't have said it better myself. It creates a bigger market. It creates options. It's good for the wrestlers in terms of uh, you know how they're you know how they get benefited and and all that. So that's a great way to look at it, and it's good for me. It gives me something to talk about, so I'm pretty happy about that. And and you know, there's not enough wrestling for me to watch Santino, so another two hours is nothing to me. Uh, finally, because I actually don't have anything else. Is there anything else? J- sorry, and Jr. is there? Tony uh, Schiavone. Mm-hmm. I mean, just hearing Jr.'s voice is comforting. <laughs> you know, it's like brings you back well and especially when he criticizes some of the things because jr is at that point where he's not afraid to go what when the time limit was first announced that there was that 10 minute interval and i just i love the honestness and the directness of jr uh it's it's, it actually is very refreshing santino i just want to give you a chance if there's anything you want to ask me if there's anything you want to say about the wrestling industry i have i'm giving you the floor you get the last word whatever you want yeah, it, well, it's definitely an interesting time because, you know, with the birth of, you know, the the digital era, and you can literally have um, somebody in a small little studio producing a show with three pretty good iPhones, and if they have a, a fast enough internet speed, they can stream it and put it on 
uh, an eye pay-per-view provider and that kind of stuff. And if something goes viral, you know, the value of viral is legitimate, right? It's all, all of a sudden there's millions of people uh, watching something that's viral and, and television companies would love to have those kind of numbers. But, and, and so it allows um, more people to, to be in the game. So you have promoters in every single city now and all of a sudden you're, you're kind of flooding the, the market and super saturating the market with all this wrestling. So it's great for the young wrestlers that have places to go work everywhere, but it's going to be hard for, for people to, for companies, independent companies to break out because there's just so much content out there right now. There's so much wrestling. There's companies all over the world that, you know, and it, it, it's, that's not a lot, man. You can go rent an led wall. You can rent a stage, rent a ring, rent some lights, throw some black curtains around it. And all of a sudden you're a wrestling company, you know, and, um, well, to, to differentiate, this... sorry. I was going to say, Santino, this sounds like a good plug for Battle Arts Academy if you need a few of the fundamentals. And maybe you should set up a, you know, viral wrestling video course. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, for it to go viral, usually it's because something went wrong. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I teach fundamentals. I teach psychology. And, uh, um, you know, it's a fusion of what I've learned from several world-class coaches and, and I, I was able to sit beside people like Arn Anderson and Triple H and for many, many years and, and just absorb as much as I could. You know, Shawn Michaels, Big Show, Undertaker, I mean, God, I was around a lot of brilliant people so I didn't, uh, the curriculum I've come up with is, is not, you know, my original thoughts. It's really just a compilation of being around brilliant people so, um, yeah, I'm in Mississauga. We teach wrestling. My my, my wrestlers are the best wrestlers on the indies right now in terms of knowing, knowing how to work. Um, you know, if you're, if you're tall and good looking and have a good physique and, and you're willing to listen and shut up and learn, then uh, there's definitely there's definitely room in, in, in this business. Um, hopefully you, you learn enough, you build that foundation, and then you go travel the world, man, and make a name for yourself. And, you know, it's a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. It, uh, you have to stick with it because you just don't know when that opportunity is going to come. It could come in three years. It could come in seven years. And you got to be, you know, hungry the entire time. you got to be ready every single day until that opportunity comes. So it's, you have to have a, a particular mindset to be successful in this business. You know, if you want to, if you want to make a living doing it, if you just enjoy being around the business and you have a nine to five job and you, want to wrestle on the weekends absolutely that's totally doable and it's it's a, it's a very good way to experience the business but if you're you know hell-bent on making a living with one of the top companies uh, then you better be willing to make some serious sacrifices incredibly well said santino morella anthony corelli you can't go wrong if you say both names and you can't go wrong if you follow him at twitter at milan miracle uh, and it's battlearcsacademy.ca correct you got it, buddy. Luckily, I memorized it. Santino, <laughs> Anthony, thank you again. Uh, no problem, but I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.